Tuesday, August 23rd, 2018. This is Postmarkdom 18, and I'm Scott Southerd. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, I know that we settled on the name Postmarkdom, but let's just let's just call it like it is. This is the Becky Lynch Hour. The Becky Cast. Tim and Scott. I, the I, Lynch Cast. It's funny because... The Lynch Pin. It's the only thing that immediately when... when we talked today about what we were going to talk about. You said, I want to talk about Becky Lynch. I want to talk about Becky Lynch. SummerSlam happened. Yeah, we'll talk about SummerSlam. Yeah, but you know what we'll really talk about is Becky Lynch. She's so good. Who comes in in a triple threat match for Charlotte's SmackDown Women's Championship. That was supposed to be a singles match. And then Charlotte fought her way in. So we say, and Charlotte ends up picking up the win by pinning Becky. A bit of a vulture move, too. She picked off Becky. She picked off. One. She looked for Becky. an opportunity. Uh-huh, and she took it. And Becky uh, responded by uh, attacking Charlotte after congratulating her, uh, throwing her over the table, leaving Charlotte crying the crowd cheering and <laughs> Becky walking away like the fucking she looked like the end of the breakfast club with <laughs> that guy whatever his name was Judd Nelson walking away just like fucking oh, so fed up and then comes out on Smackdown and cuts a fucking fire Hell of heel a promo, promo. To an adoring audience, who she does, she does what she can to say you weren't behind me, and they're just like, we yeah, we you. were, we were we behind you, you, Becky. Charlotte comes out. Um, they get in a fight. A bunch of referees are out there. I love when the referees are out there. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, I would have liked to see some ref bumps in there, but the rest of the locker room comes out and separates them, and you know, chaos ensues as we have. Uh, the beginning of what looks like it could be a really great rivalry. Yeah, best friends exploding here. I'm really interested to see what happens once they're out of New York, once they're doing shows outside of New York. Yeah. Because, I mean, the crowd was booing Charlotte, right? But nobody hates Charlotte in the crowd. Everybody just loves Becky. Everybody just loves Becky. It's the anti. It's the anti Roman Reigns, the previous Roman Reigns situation, where no matter who Romans fought, they would get cheered. No matter who Roman fought, yeah, that the the opponent would get cheered. And in this case, no matter who Becky fights, they're gonna get booed. Yeah. So I guess you know it's a lot like it's a lot like when Rey Mysterio came out the 2014 Royal Rumble and everybody was expecting Daniel Bryan and mm. Rey Mysterio just gets showered with booze um poor guy yeah but so i guess let's let's start with where we're at on this like where you are you know you're a lifer with Becky Lynch. Oh yeah, forever. Do you do you like what's happening with her right now? Yeah, I think so. I think I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do like the idea of Becky not being milk toast and not just doing the John Cena thing of like, well, didn't go the way I wanted it to, but we'll get him next time. There she doesn't have much of a threat. In that, because that's kind of a been her attitude right. the entire time. And now she's fighting back. And especially in a situation here where, you know, I mean, I get that they're trying to spin Becky as the heel and Charlotte as the baby face. But I think in the end, it might just turn into like a really well-told story where these two people have motivations. I mean, from Becky's perspective, it's very clear that Charlotte took her spot and then actively attacked her to win this. It was very opportunistic. And, and Charlotte on her end is like yeah i got a shot at the belt of course i'm gonna try and win it um you know i I think that there's there's that that sentiment that like the best villains are the best villains because they believe what they're saying sure and becky is kind of in a unique situation where she's trying to cut like a villainous promo uh on charlotte but we all saw that like what charlotte did like was 
kind of nefarious. Like Becky cool. is expre- expressing an objective truth, not just the way that she sees it. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe there's a way to make this feud into something of of just a tweener feud. I think that that's I think that that's a good way to go about it, and it's kind of like where I'm leaning to. I don't know how much you've been following the wrestling internet this week, but like Brian Alvarez, like went off on Vince McMahon's like inability inability to tell stories anymore. Whoa saying that like the mishandling of this is just an indication of the fact that he's he's lost it he has no idea what he's doing anymore Meltzer kind of had the same sort of sentiment towards it saying that like what he's what Vince is going to do is he's going to kill off Becky and he's going to ruin Charlotte because Charlotte is being you know kind of given the Roman treatment now sure. of always being like, you know, the babyface champion or, you know, in competition for the championship, but also like the face of of the women's division of WWE. Yeah, and pushing her as an underdog in tandem with those two things is is just very clearly not the case. There's too much being placed on someone like Charlotte at this point. And Charlotte, most especially because she's already, she's established herself as, you know, there's, I don't think there's anybody on the current roster that has more title reigns than Charlotte does. Also, the pedigree of Charlotte and the whole presentation of Charlotte as just like a divine uh, gift from the wrestling gods, like the daughter of motherfucking Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the Reddit um, real heavy backlash on all of this. The just the the idea that this story is so tone deaf and so just it's just such a terrible casting and. Yeah, the roles are definitely reversed here to what they should be, right? But I wonder if there's... I, I think there's a couple factors here that come into play for all of this weekend, but uh, it's the Brooklyn crowd, right? And it's, yeah. it's, it's WrestleMania Junior. And so things happen in this weekend that don't necessarily... They're not like firmly setting in stone the tone or tempo of things. The Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania doesn't mean shit it's almost non-canonical right and in this case it obviously is canonical but i think they might be playing to uh the crowd in a way or or being forced to reconsider how things are working i think that there's just like i don't know i think we need to take it all with a grain of salt to some degree and i think it's super possible that within the next three weeks we're seeing becky lynch as a baby face and charlotte as a uh, as a heel in this situation well, I think that that's th- th- there's a lot of truth to that. I think that the possibility that it does shift just based on the reactions that people are are giving is a is definitely a possibility, but I'm also looking at this and I'm kind of thinking like the problem that people have with this story in the beginning of this story is it does have a lot to do with the fact that it feels as if the writing of it is a little tone deaf, but it's also the fact that they just want Becky Lynch to be Daniel Bryan. They just want the same thing and the same trajectory for someone. And I find that to be kind of interesting because, you know, when you, when you look at it, right, there's, there's, five stories that you can tell that's just that's just how storytelling works um the daniel bryan underdog story is you know it's unique in that it it became a matter of the fans are behind this guy in in a very like unique and you know of the time way and i think that that's what people want here for becky and I just watched that promo on Tuesday and I thought this is the most interesting that she's ever been on the microphone. 
and this this idea that like a whole new dimension to this performer is possible with this role and also why does it have to be that one of these people is good and one of these people right. is bad because even though the presentation of Charlotte Flair is, you know, the baby face in here and Charlotte Flair is not chicken shit in all of this. Charlotte comes out and, and attacks Becky and doesn't hold back and doesn't like, but you know, is that not, is that not acceptable? Is that not an okay thing in, in this particular time and place where the top, Babyface on the men's side is is booed all of the time, and that is interesting. Is it not possible that we can have like a person who has heel tendencies and a person who has babyface tendencies, and you're allowed to root for whoever you want to win? I mean, I think it's super viable here, and I wonder if that's going to end up being the way that things go because. Clearly, there's going to be so... No one has bought into the fact that Becky Lynch is a heel here. The young girls that are buying her t-shirts, that were buying her t-shirts, are still going to be... They're still going to love her. And, you know, everybody's got the utmost respect for Charlotte. I don't see any way that either of these are going to fully go to the the polar ends of the uh, good guy, bad guy spectrum here. I think it's totally feasible that we do have a middling feud of, of just two people that are trying to fucking fight. Yeah. I think that that's possible too, but I, I think that I would be a lot more fearful of that. If Becky Lynch comes out on Tuesday and was like, you know what? I lost, but I'm going to keep on fighting. Sure. And that's like, Becky's always just been like, you know, she's a, person that you're just kind of drawn to naturally is just like i think that there's a a sense of reality to you know this person who's performing that everyone's just like i'm I'm behind this person like i want them to go somewhere and i just feel like what's been given to her has has just opened up the the idea that this is somebody that we could also like appreciate on a different level entirely yeah and it's it's funny because i think there's like a really there's a really interesting melding of becky becky lynch is such a good character like you said because we are i think everybody kind of feels like she would be cool to hang out with right yeah that's like a very serious level of connection i think a lot of us have in an industry where there's it's impossible to even conceive of having connections with these superheroes right and Becky Lynch like crosses that bridge in a really interesting way and I think it's funny to see how in the past her persona her on-screen persona also really fit in with the storytelling booking side of things where she's like well get them next time trying my best doing a good job here and it's just like you're watching the booking happen and her reactions to that booking rather than like any sort of kayfabe things her reactions to the kayfabe things also were very apt reactions to the booking i think is what i'm trying to say here and now she's right. she's turned yeah. a corner and has a real de- and is saying like because, no i'm not yeah, gonna he, be a middler like how far how far do you get by just being like oh i'll get him next time and then right. when you get the belt it's just like oh i'm gonna be a fighting champion everybody's gonna get bored mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. and now i mean i don't know if you saw I think it was I think there it was on Reddit today or yesterday. There's just like loads of pictures. Maybe it's just Becky's Instagram. I don't know. There's loads of really badass black and white pictures of Becky looking tough as fuck yeah. and super angry and like she really wants to fight someone rather than going out there to like be in a sporting event, which I think is a really cool turn for her. I just feel like there's there's so much more that's generated uh, with the idea of like you are you're lighting a fire underneath a vocal fan base who is has been behind her all summer and are they going to continue to be behind her when she's the champion come royal rumble or you know 
how does that compare to she's still getting fucking screwed over here come mm-hmm. Royal Rumble? It's it's setting itself up with just so many more possibilities and everybody's fucking mad about it. And something that I want to talk about with you here is the fact that what has come out of it, I think very interestingly, is a sentiment that Becky is not being put in the position that she should be because she doesn't look like Charlotte Flair. And this sounds on the surface like this is some fucking woke ass like feminism but what it's become is the fact that becky lynch doesn't have implants she's not blonde there's all this fucking bullshit that's being directed towards charlotte the fact that she just had surgery on her implants her implants fucking ruptured like those would kill her. Yeah. You have to you get have that to taken something. care of. And the fact that like you're you're deciding that you're going to now now you're going to say that like because of an augmentation that you don't have any fucking right to judge anybody on, that that is for some that that is for some reason the only reason that this person is getting what they want. Fuck yourself. Yeah, no, that's bogus. That's like clearly bogus. That's the I like I like women natural without makeup, but like bullshit argument. Go, go fuck yourself. Yeah, totally. I, and what I don't understand why we have to pit these two on a, in a non kayfabe way level. I don't understand. They're both fucking awesome at what they do. Charlotte is so good, and she's Ric Flair's kid, and her steez makes so much sense for her. It fits perfectly. And Becky is this weirdo underdog from some from like. Europe that's also outside of like has like a more indie history it, they're, they're perfect perfect embodiments of these two different avenues of wrestling and I don't understand why and I think that this is like you know I I love Pat's perspective that he laid down about like fans and what they want and what they demand and what they think they deserve because what I think has come out of this new type of thinking is the fact that Charlotte is all of a sudden like people are turning their backs on a fucking unbelievable performer someone that we are lucky to be witnessing like this legendary career in the making and you know that's that's all it took is that is that they didn't like what happened to somebody else that they like so now they're fucking shitting all over charlotte yeah that's bogus i think this is the opportunity to be a really important and powerful rivalry this thing can last for the rest of the season through mania if it needs to and it could be amazing yeah yeah well it's let's see how it plays out I yeah. feel like this is, I just don't get why that why that seems like an impossibility. Totally, for people see how it plays out. I think that we had what we had was a very very fun weekend with oh, yeah all all uh, one of the like the highest grades that I can give SummerSlam is the way that they book those finishes. I, everyone seemed to just do the rivalry justice. Yeah, I think those main the main card the main event finishes were great i was a little miffed by a handful by like the seven schmazes in a row but uh early on in the show but i do i I agree though yeah there was some great finishes that progressed the story i feel like everything that went in there strong went strong and i feel like everything that looked like it was going to be a dud turned out to be a dud yeah but there was a lot of good shit i think that um, as far as SummerSlam goes, like I, I just can't get over how well they put that, together that main event. Yeah, that. So man, the main event is. It's funny because they, w- without actually atoning for the previous sins of booking Roman Reigns, they managed to do the best thing they possibly could, just meticulously setting dominoes up and avoiding them. And, and telling a story over the course of Sunday and Monday night that got pretty much all of the fans on Roman's side by the end of the weekend Dude. is is incredible. I still I'm excited to boo Roman Reigns next time I'm in a building that he's in. Uh-huh. But 
It was some amazing ballet. Are you gonna boom if he if he comes out with? Uh, not if he comes with out with the shield. shield. No, of course not. You can't. Which is like, it's such it's such like a. I'm trying to think of the the perfect metaphor for it. I feel like it's like a deadbeat dad showing up with a teddy bear for his kid, um, <laughs> like when he hasn't shown up for four weekends in a row. Where it's like, yeah, we've been fucking up, but there's no way you can argue with this. You can't argue this with is great. this fucking teddy bear. You can't argue with uh, Seth Rollins. He's he's gone down a size since he was in the Shield. That that Kevlar was a little <laughs> <laughs> bulky on him. We gotta get that form fit. <laughs> um yeah that was fucking it was so sick just seeing them circle the ring and fucking like the feeling in the crowd of like not being behind everything except when roman was there but like each time roman got his shots in like over the course of that segment you could just hear like the fucking shift sure that everyone was just like i i can't even i can't even be mad about this he's gonna do the power bomb it's gonna be awesome fucking table it's it's amazing i think to think that like you know the the way that the shield is is held up in in the regard that it is i think we live in an era where it's it's hard to make anything seem like it has the same amount of weight as like the attitude era does. Yeah. We don't have too many monuments at this point, right? Like we don't have any statues and the shield is maybe the biggest one that we have from this era of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that like, you know, the whole, they just did such a great job too on Sunday of like that. They really protected that match from being shit on by the crowd you have braun out there it was i think everybody is like already kind of communicated the fact that like he comes out to say that he's not gonna like he's not gonna (laughs) cash in on someone like with their back turned but then he says he's gonna wait until the match is over i was really confused by that but whatever it's fine (laughs) okay braun you stated your intentions i guess it was and like throughout that match the way it ends i think it was i mean it went they padded themselves about as well as they could have they still like they gave roman a quote unquote clean win about as unclean of a clean win as you could give someone right and it's, yeah which is like i don't know i st- i still value brock lesnar's sanctity of being of like never really having lost in a clean manner since, I mean, yeah. since he beat Taker. And that's, yeah, I know that that was, like, a real point of contention, that, like, even though we're so far removed from this, nobody's beaten this guy, really, yeah. since he beat The Undertaker. And, you know, there's the Brock, or the, the Goldberg win, that was uh-huh. a quick knockout, which right. is, sure, that happens to every great fighter. Yeah. And then now there's this one. And... You know, it was a clean win for sure. And I think that does the trick to get things moving forward. Roman Reigns is a legitimate champion, but Brock Lesnar hasn't legitimately lost, I don't think. And it was it was like very it was very well padded. It was very well there was a a lot of hedging of bets, I think, that happened here. And I think that he like he found a way to to kind of gain back a lot of that intensity that it seemed to that just seemed to have gone away like you know him doing suplexes isn't enough anymore sure. but like when he went after braun <laughs> chucked that oh briefcase my god it's just like he's so insane and i think that that's like the best thing that he can communicate is the fact that he is a legitimately insane person mm-hmm. that i would never want to be around in my entire life and you know, that door is open. I like the way that they took care of that on Raw. And what I really liked on Raw was that fucking match between Roman Reigns and Finn Balor. Man, what a match. Holy shit. I was not prepared for that. And so, okay, I think that also on a meta level, on a booking level, is I think there there's an active thing happening there where they're communicating, like, look, I know you guys aren't happy about Roman Reigns, yeah, but... You know the rumblings that have been happening, and we've been saying for a while that they're, you know, 
Brock Lesnar is preventing other champions, other potential champions, other guys on the roster from getting their shot. Finn Balor is the one that's used as that example all the time. Yep. As the guy that can't get a shot because Brock Lesnar is the champion and he's been holding a hostage. That was such a, such a clear message that was being told to the fans saying like, now Finn Balor gets a shot. See, Roman Reigns is good. Yep. It was a really straightforward meta storytelling that was so fucking smart. And I think it was, you know, very smartly thrown in there too, the fact that Corey Graves says at the beginning of that match, you know, if you want to look back at about one year ago when Finn when, you know, the universal title was uh going to be decided, Finn Balor beat Roman Reigns for an opportunity to do that on Raw. So we have seen Finn Balor like finally get his shot at the title again, mm-hmm. but he's also still got a claim on Roman. Like I beat you once you beat me once let's do this. Yeah. And that can happen whenever there's just so much, like there's a lot of excitement as far as that, you know, that whole storyline involving the shield. There's a lot of moving parts in there and you get the feeling like, all right, cool, we're going to see things and we're going to, you know, see them happen and they're going to happen quickly and consistently. And that's that's a good feeling, I think, to have. Um, yeah, it's nice to... I'm really interested to see how, yeah, how much more movement happens now moving forward. Because before it was, you know, if the Intercontinental Championship match doesn't have a new contender this pay-per-view, then what are we even... What is the pay-per-view? How are we supposed to get excited for it? Yeah, and now it's yeah. There's plenty of moving parts. It's exciting. It's exciting uh, on the SmackDown side too. I holy shit, that I, championship match. Oh yeah, um, Samoa Joe is just. I I feel like of all, mm, maybe I'm going too far because the person that he's competing with is maybe the the one that busts this. But of all the people that they've brought in over the past five years, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles are the two that I think have exceeded expectations like far, far and away. Yeah, I think in this era of bringing in talent from outside sources, we've all pretty quickly learned that we have to temper our expectations and that every single superstar that comes in from our favorite indie promotion is not going to be the next champion of the WWE. Right. Uh, but in this case, AJ and Joe are legitimate top tier guys. And they're holding their own. And goddamn, like, we talked like a few weeks ago about AJ Styles needs something like real to fight about. Man, okay, so this is because AJ, <laughs> AJ doesn't have. We all know he's not the greatest talker. He doesn't have the greatest like wrestling persona uh, per se. But what comes across very genuinely and clearly is that he's just a good old-fashioned Christian dad. Mm-hmm. And this is the perfect role for him to play. Daddy, you're bleeding. Oh, my God. And this, the, everyone's talking about the daddy, you're bleeding moment, which I think was incredible. But we're also... I don't know. I don't know if everybody caught this, or if it was just the room we were in when we were watching it. When his kid did not want to be held by that bloody dad. No way. It was so good. No way. No way are you picking me up, dad. Not only are you bleeding, but you're scary. You're no longer my dad. That yeah. guy is. Uh, Joe is. <laughs> That's what he keeps saying. I'm uh, I'm five, so I believe everything I hear. Joe looks fucking so good. I love him so much. Man, and I just, that sequence towards the end of that match when Joe's up on the table calling himself the new Mr. Styles. Mm-hmm. And he and you see you see the the pieces start moving. You see AJ's enraged bloody face. You see that he's going to start he's going to make a move here. They're setting it all up. And Joe just looks back at AJ and starts laughing at him. <laughs> he it, you know, he knows there's a threat that it, it's not like he's taken by surprise by this attack. He's just looking at this guy and taunting him like a real bully. Yeah. Dude, it's it's so fucking good. It's so captivating. And, you know, it's 
it's just it's all gonna end in very good wrestling too i think that there's just uh, i can't i can't wait are they gonna fight at hell in a cell is that like what the is that what the plan is yeah, is hell in a cell a smackdown pay-per-view no they don't do that anymore Oh right! It's all—it's it's both all, of them. It's all co-brand. See, I you know now that they have SummerSlam, which is always co-branded, yeah. I'm like, all right, well, what? So we got—we got a lot of potential. Do we have a? Has anybody announced a specific Hell in a Cell match? Like Not, the, the match that's in the cell? No, the only thing that we have announced is Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella oh, yeah. versus The Miz and Maurice. A lot of mixed tag action these days. A lot of mixed tag action these days. I love that the Miz went over with brass knuckles. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's oh my good. God. I know I'm sitting here talking about how people need to quit like demanding the same things to happen over and over again, but the passing of the brass knuckles, oh, it's my beautiful, God. especially just right out of right out of the shirt too. Oh, so good, and the kid is in the picture there. The little mm-hmm. crib is oh, right yeah, there. Oh yeah, with the freaking blanket on yeah. top of it and everything. He comes out like looking like a million bucks too on SmackDown too. And I love, goddamn, it's such, it's so, it's such great psychology. The idea that he talks over and over again about how many times Daniel Bryan punches him. And that was the big thing is the punch. And then mm-hmm. the Miz is just like, yeah. And I knocked him out in one punch. He just took one Miz punch. Not one breath <laughs> knuckles punch. One Miz a punch. punch. from my fist. <laughs> and I don't know if you, I don't know how telegraphed this was, but he was doing the feel that promo. Have you, do you remember when Brian came back initially and he just yelled feel that like four times? Yeah. This is six months ago and this week on SmackDown. Miz calls back to it. This storyline is so smart in so many subtle ways. Yeah. As far as wrestling goes. It's yeah, the attention to detail that's that's happening there is just uh, yeah. It's, it's mind blowing. Amazing. Like what what they're both putting into it. Um I, I mean aside from that, I, I thought that it was a all in all, it was a fun show. NXT was fucking fantastic that was just top to bottom amazing i wonder that this is the first time in a long time that i haven't walked away from an nxt show thinking wow that was better than the last show but i don't think it was any worse i think it was just this is a damn good show i feel like my sentiment towards champa and gargano probably speaks to the to the whole card Mm mm-hmm I thought that that was the weakest of their three matches, but the ending was so good. It was so good. That it kind of, I mean, and and by, you know, weakest of the three, it's like none of it is making me yawn. No, I mean, it's an incredible match. And it's just the only thing that's happening now is it's being hampered by how great it's been. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's that's it's hurting itself at this point. Because I mean, the first one, it's just like you want to see it, you want to see it so mm-hmm. bad, and it went on for fucking ever. And then the second one ended with just such a huge spot. And then the third one, it's it's got all of it, but what you kind of come away from with it is. Champa going over on just like the slimiest He's shit. Dastardly. He did not deserve that. He just rolled over mm-hmm. and was lucky enough to be on an elevated platform. It's the ultimate, you know, pointing at his own temple mm-hmm. moment. Yep. Of of just being this shitty, shitty man. And it was cool how earlier in the show, early in the match. He used the same gimmick of like falling off of the ring to yes. stand up. That was such a cool, smart, smart move. And I think we all called it out when I was when we were watching it over at Pat's house. We all the first time around were like, "Oh, that is slick, Champa." Uh huh. And then the second time around, did you have fun at Pat's? Oh, it was great. Yeah, we ordered a pizza. The small crew. We ordered pizza at SummerSlam too. I know. I love eating pizza. Did you? You didn't? You didn't think like, "Oh, pizza again on Sunday." No, that's you know, good. I thought pizza again. Again, that's great. I was a little, I was a little sad that I that I didn't get a chance to come over to watch NXT with you. Yeah, it was a fun night. It was a, it was a very intimate affair. But it was wow. great. Oh yeah, you intimated. Me and Pat spooned. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
Well, that's good. Yeah, I did. It. I had a nice anniversary dinner. Mm. You know, we went. How'd the gift card go over? We got some tapas, and then uh, she went over, and and she only had to spend eleven dollars of her own money on the uh, HDMI cable that I asked her to get for my Apple TV. Oh, I, nice! I, I needed a new one, so. But now she can watch Apple TV. Right. Your Apple TV. Yeah. It's hooked See, up. When I got to when I got to work. Uh, on Sunday, the day after, I told I told my coworker that I got her a Sitco gift card. Right, right. Like by then, like oh, the Best Buy gift card really like took off, and so I was like, yeah, I got her a Sitco gift card. You know, figure, figure, who's who who couldn't use some gas if you got a She's car? She's got a car. And, and then I was like, I mean, plus I drive it all the time, and I never put any gas in it, so <laughs> it works out. And my coworker fucking believed me. She was like, "Did that go over well?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I could get gas, or uh, Red Bull, or pack of smokes." And my coworker's like. Does she smoke? I'm not making this up. She's like, does she smoke? And I'm like, no, but she could try now if she wants to. I love, I love how like you just played into this. It That's was when I break so... on those jokes, on those kinds of like little practical right. gags. I'm like, oh, no, you think I'm a monster. I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I love that you stuck to your guns. I, it was it was pretty good and then i like had i told her afterwards because i didn't want to you know people can be sensitive about things like that but I, one of the things that i told uh jamie when we were when we were out at dinner was we were she's allergic to dogs quiet chloe speaking of um and i was like i was like if you could get any dog in the world no you don't have to worry about allergies money your home anything what and she's like saint bernard and i was like oh very nice that's a great pick for a dog and then i was like did you know that beethoven the movie beethoven was originally called stravinsky but when they played it in front of test audiences nobody really knew what was going on because Stravinsky doesn't have the same, uh, you know, cultural value sure, sure. as Beethoven. It's not name recognition. So there. if you watch that movie again, you can see that it's all dubbed. <laughs> Everybody had to come in and, and redub their lines, Beethoven, instead of Stravinsky. So sometimes it's really obvious. And she was like, I don't, I don't believe you, but you also know so much movie trivia that I don't know if I should not believe you. Well, that's true. Too. That's a good point because when there is crazy bullshit like that that's in movies, you generally know about it in a pretty authoritarian manner. Oh, I know. I know all of it. Right. Um, yeah, well, I'm listening to that 2001 book right now. I'm just oh, lying. yeah, I'm the Arthur C. Clarke so book? Much. Yeah. Apparently, like, the... Uh, like one of the pieces that's in there it it's just like before that movie it's the one that that was like the most like passe like bullshit piece sure. that's like something that people would like shit on so when he first started doing it everybody thought he was fucking nuts for doing it and then they showed it and it was like brilliant like this is so brilliant. elegant and so smart wait are you listening to a book, like a nonfiction book about 2001? Yeah. Oh, cool. Dude, it's fucked up, though, because now I'm just thinking about how we're all going to become machines. That's or true, man. that's probably, like, that's even too elementary. We're just going to exist in the cloud, which I know people think about, like, already, and I'm not, like, I'm very behind on things yeah, like that. Yeah, you're not that. a sci-fi guy. I know, but, like, it's fucking true. That's what we're, we're going to evolve to. Okay, yeah, but... So the problem with that is is the Star Trek uh, transporter, or do you ever see the Prestige, the movie The Prestige, the Christopher with, Nolan uh, film? Nolan, yeah, the, the, that's about magicians, right? Right, right. But the magician, so whatever. Without, hmm, I don't know, this is totally spoiling the film. The, you've had your chance. Yeah, it's 2007, something uh -huh. like that. So the idea in that movie is that they come up with some cloning device, and they have a magic trick where one person, you know, drowns in a pool and then they appear after drowning 
outside of this pool. Uh-huh. And so he's just cloning dudes, drowning one of them, and bringing the clone out right. the next time around, right? So the idea there, though, is if you're trying to get your consciousness up into the cloud, your body's still going to die, and you, as you know it, are going to die. Your consciousness is not going to... You're not going to live any further. Your cells are all going to disappear. They're going to rot in the ground. Someone else will be able to communicate with you as is your clou- as Cloud Tim. Yeah, but I think that the idea of like existing in the cloud is even though you don't have a body, you still have like the ability to own. And I think that's all that it is. That's all anybody's like really desiring is they just want the the ability to just like have currency and like sure. maybe not like possessions in the forms that we think of them today, but like some sort of clout. I mean, you think about like all of the things that are just like disappearing in terms of like objects and like, you know, not to go off, even though we already have. Oh, but like, so, so a uh, uh, friend of mine was in town playing a show and she was on, she was on tour with a, I don't know what I'm, Laura Stevenson was here. She was, uh, she uh, was on noted tour wrestling with, fan. Right. Yes. Uh, uh, Mick Foley's best friend, Laura Stevenson, was here. Um, she was on tour with that band. You know that band, The Wonder Years? Mm-hmm. They're a big band. They're a big band, and they have a much younger audience mm-hmm. than the typical Laura Stevenson uh, Yeah, band. we're pretty much right in the smack to have a Laura Stevenson's demographic. Yes, exactly. And the Wonder Years demographic is if you are our age and you like the Wonder Years, you've liked them for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was she was playing the show is a very young crowd and and i was talking to her and i was like how's the how's the tour going and she's like you know it's good it's i'm getting taken care of it's like a good package um and you know no nobody's buying anything though because it's all kids right and i'm like i'm like they all want to come up and like say hello and like you know talk great show nobody buys records and i'm like yeah they're probably just like i'll listen to it on spotify and she's like that's actually exactly what they say so think about the fact that like you have a you have a 16 year old who is you know going to a show who has just been listening to music through the internet their entire life why would they think to buy a record it's not that they're not like it's not that they're choosing to not buy it it's that they don't think about the idea of well purchasing this physical item from this person who's right here in front of me will help them right and it will be nice for me to own so that i can listen to it it's just like i'd pay spotify 9.99 a month and i can listen to this I mean, listen to whatever and yeah i mean for a lot of people, what value would that add to their lives? I, I get, right. like, I'm sure that they want to support the artist in one way or another, but I don't think anybody wants to donate to an artist. Some, I mean, obviously there are cases, but you know, yeah, you're not going to a show and then tossing an extra ten bucks in a tip jar in general. Hey, thanks. Right. Thanks for doing the thing. I don't and, want anything. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And you know, I think in a lot of cases. What the fuck is an album going to do for a kid that has Spotify? Well, here's the thing, though, about having an album is that sometimes you move and then you have to, like, buy a bunch of boxes for it's your record. It's a pain record. in the ass. Oh, it's the fucking worst. Um, I don't know why I have this thing. I also you got a big stack of records why, right here. I don't know why I have to, like, have a very well, like, organized and curated, like, music library on my phone or on my computer either. I'm just listen to I think of. having that library is beneficial. Yeah. Because you're old. Yeah, maybe. It's not going to be beneficial to anybody who's under the age of 20. I talked, I had a conversation with a a guy at work who's definitely like parent age for us. Yeah. And we had the same exact conversation. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I'm just an old guy now. You are just an old guy. And so am I. And, you know, our... Uh, grandchildren maybe are going to understand that there is no use in having a physical body yeah sure maybe one day i don't need it arthur c clark said that uh that every every uh piece of good and important new technology 
feels like magic. Indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. It's such a good fucking quote. Yeah, dog. So uh, through the magic of the WWE Network, you know, we were able to watch SummerSlam together uh, at home. Well, at your home. And on Saturday, you were able to do that uh, without me. Um, but on, It still worked out okay. I know. You saw it. I know. And I watched Raw on SmackDown yesterday while i was vacuuming and and it was it was great i think that this is kind of a, this is an exciting time to um you know go into some new things for people there's some weird shit that's going on that doesn't seem to make much sense i don't understand why randy orton doesn't like jeff hardy me either i don't really know what that story is it seems like they just decided all of them did you hear that Jeff Hardy had to re-gauge his ears after that gag that Randy yanked on his ear hole. And it changed, it like raised it four sizes. Ugh. So he had to re-gauge his other ear. Seems like a dick move. How long does that take? I don't know. And would, you ever get, would you ever get a gauge? I tried to when I was in high school. Yeah. I put a Lego hand in my ear to try and stretch it and it started bleeding. Oh, yeah. And I took it out. What the fuck's the matter with you? I had, dude, I was like 16. Yeah, I had a safety pin in my nipple <laughs> when I was 16. <laughs> it's, there's some scar tissue yeah. in it, so it's like permanently... You got a permaheart on. Yeah, which is nice, you know. I feel like, uh, you know, like unhard nipples are not very good looking all the time but. yeah well, it's a soft nipple right yuck yeah oh yeah oh Gross. get those things away Gross. from me Ugh. um yeah i don't yeah i don't know what's happening with randy i don't know what's happening that u.s picture seems like everything's just kind of are they just wallowing. waiting for nakamura to leave is that what's going on here? I don't know. I am for sure. I that's my new failed this experiment. This is my new yeah. This is my new uh, what is like my new tent pole. I don't know whose fault it is. I think it just didn't work. I think it didn't work across the board. I think no one was prepared for this kind of a person to join this kind of a company, and they just don't match without. Is he is he just Sin Cara? Is that what it is? I think he's yeah. He's super Sin Cara. You know who needs fucking recognition here terry terry was right what did he say terry hates nakamura or he didn't like him yeah he was never sold on him and then as nakamura went further into nxt he's like he had one good match he had he's had one good match that's it and more and more i think about it the more i think the terry was right yeah and i love that terry doesn't like jeff hardy either because I think that, like, the idea that everybody should have this. Everybody out there who has a group of wrestling friends, go and find somebody who has no real basis for things and bring them to watch wrestling with you and pay attention to the things that they don't like. Because that's important. Getting an objective view, getting a reality check now and then I think is very helpful. But I also think it was really fun for Terry to say Jeff Hardy's bullshit in the middle of the U.S. championship match and for the entire room to just turn on Terry and yell, what? No, Jeff Hardy rules, dude. Look at those pants. Yeah, I'm kind of with him, though. Yeah, he's totally lame, but (laughs) Jeff Hardy's the fucking best, dude. He's the lamest of all time. It's Yeah, it's very true. I can't believe he fucking jumped off of that thing on SmackDown, though. Like, why why do you keep doing this? He loves doing it. He's a a daredevil, dude. Jeff Hardy Hardy is the fucking X Games of uh, of pro wrestling. He's Tony Hawk. (laughs) He is. He's a Tony, real Tony Hawk. He's Tony Hawk. Um, Chloe is losing it, so maybe maybe we should we should wrap it up here. Um, hey, this has been Postmarktum, uh, Meta Perspectives in Professional Wrestling. Uh, my name is Tim, and this is my friend Scott, and we you know we just like each other, so we like, we like to we like to talk about uh, what's going on, and that is my hungry dog, Chloe. Um, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcast Stitcher and we will be back next week uh, and I will feed Chloe before we start that so we will see you then thanks for listening